You're listening to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. everyone. Welcome to the podcast today. I'm your host, Matthew Lilly. I'm so excited to have my friend Chris Burns back on the podcast with us today. If you don't know Chris, he is a worship leader, a songwriter, teacher, revivalist, pastor, and uh, he just is really a voices generation regarding the priority of the presence of God, the calling of the church back to minister to the Lord as priest. And uh, we're excited to catch up today. And uh, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. We want to help you experience and host the presence of God because we believe God's presence changes everything. Thank you all who subscribe and share and comment and like and do all of those things. We really appreciate our podcast community. Chris, welcome back. Good to be here. I'm drinking a pour over at home, feeling good, relaxing. Good to be here. Yeah, you got a great background. Looks fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. It is uh, the single, one of the only places right now in our home that does look like it could be on camera. So yeah, it uh, looks if great. you could see the real version, bro, you would see <laughs> children's toys all over the floor. Of course. Little girl backpacks and yeah, just uh, what a real house looks like with kids. <laughs> of course, of course. So we we've had a, we've had a couple conversations. So I don't want to have to go through you reintroducing yourself, but I know you've been on a journey, Ohio, doing House of Prayer, Burn twenty four seven stuff, to San Francisco, doing outdoor worship, evangelism. Then you moved to Bourbon Street, New Orleans. Saw amazing move of God there, revival, House of Prayer birth there, and now you're at a mega church. <laughs> As a pastor. <laughs> Good so, setup, buddy. So, Chris, have you sold out? <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> bro. I slugged it out in the trenches for so long. It's taken me 15 years to get to the bottom, and I'm finally here. Um, <laughs> yeah, catch us up on the journey. Yeah, man. It's so funny. Uh, even just you saying that, it's it's like, man, it has been kind of a crazy story. Yeah, man. You know, we went from this revival in a bar and in really such a promise fulfilled to going into a very mainline evangelical church. And in the beginning, and a great church, I might add, a church with 60 years of legacy, they're an oak of righteousness in the land and have roots in the charismatic persuasion, if you will. So, you know, there's the belief in the gifts. It's, it's not super secret sensitive, but it is definitely evangelical. And very different culturally, I would say, and and just in their expression, you know, than what you or yeah. I might be used to. But so it took some time getting used to and 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 figuring out. I mean, bro, tracks and you know, twenty yeah. minute worship sessions, and of course, asking the Lord for a few years. You know, Danielle and I going, Lord, what what exactly are you up to? Are you sure this is you? And of course you know, the fruit is, is evident in our lives. And as we've finally, we've run so long from pastoring and finally the Lord hedged us in and said, you know, you're going to pastor here in New Orleans and man, how we had grown and, and, and changed. And it's really, dude, honestly, it's changed me in ways I, that I never thought it would. It's given me a deeper love for the presence of the Lord. And it's also shown me that there are so many people in the church that have literally no grid. And, and I say this with humility uh, because 
you know, every part of the body carries a different revelation and expression and it's all beautiful, but man, it just, it shows me the deep need for just teaching on worship, teaching on the presence of God, teaching on the tabernacle of David, which is, believe it or not, still a very foreign concept in the mainline evangelical American church, I would say for sure. And I've yeah. seen that firsthand. Yeah, for sure. So what are those things, some of those things you have learned? I'm curious, you know, we, we moved back here to our hometown, Greenville, back in 2020 in the midst of COVID and all that. And, and we've landed back at my childhood church, which has become a mega church, evangelical. We're helping with worship here. We've launched a prayer room here uh, as part of the church, but it's also probably similar to you, a very different culture than what we have previously been a part of with things like the burn and houses of prayer and some of those kinds of streams. And so what have you learned? What's God, what's God been teaching you? I'm just curious. Yeah, man, it it would, I mean, obviously so many personal lessons, things that I would have said before, firstly in worship or even in the expression of a worship set or you know, doing tracks, flowing, how long is worship? What's the emphasis on prayer and worship culture as opposed to a prayer meeting and good worship on a Sunday morning, if you will? I I, I believe that, uh, I mean, I've seen God come so powerfully in 20 minutes of worship in ways that I thought not only that he wouldn't, but that he shouldn't, you know, like, because mm. where I come from, it's like, bro, we're not even really touching heaven until about 40 minutes in you know what i mean like, <laughs> right so it's like we're just uh, getting ready to go and um i've learned so much man i it would be really difficult to try to put all the things we've learned into a small segment but i will say this in regards to worship and just really the presence of god i've learned that people are hungry for his presence whether they know it or not they're hungry for the real thing There is this thing in the word where, you know, we've heard the teachers, we've heard the Pharisees, the Sadducees, but when you speak Jesus, there's something different. I think what's been interesting is that it's been such a beautiful, humbling, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Just the church we're at has been so gracious and open to the prophetic gift on our life and who we are and, and how we express our worship. They've been so open to that. And at the same time, we've been open to them. And there's been this mutual humility. And what's so beautiful is that we found that we have found things where like, you know, the house of prayer movement from a real, if you want to get really nitty gritty with it, it's like most of these people are, okay, we might be getting into the the muck here. Let's do but it. It's like the house of prayer, you know, we're, we're mostly poor. Okay. We got to raise support. No one will fund prayer and worship for 24 hours, it seems. Uh, or even find that, like they even have no paradigm for that. Yeah. And what I have found that to be so beautiful is that I believe the local church has such a foundational piece in this prayer movement. I, yes. I wanted to talk about this as a matter of fact, and we can go into this, bro, but I was even yeah. thinking this morning, I really believe we're in a second wave of the prayer movement. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's like, you think about the waves of coffee, you know, we always talk, if you're a coffee nerd, you'll get this. If you don't, then I'm sorry, you'll humor us. But it's like the first wave of coffee was, you know, Folgers, people making coffee at home. And then the second wave is the cafe Starbucks. And the third wave is like the bougie hipster coffee where we pour over and it keeps elevating. Right. I I was thinking this morning, I thought, I wonder if we're in 
of course, I'm talking in a small time period here. We, we're not looking at the broad scope of history. But in our, our time, our generation, I feel like we're almost in this second wave of a prayer and worship movement with young people that I'm seeing that do not have the revelation that you and I look at as commonplace. Yeah. And I feel like the church at large, it's time for the prayer movement to infiltrate our normal church culture. That's really where I'm at now. I'm going, okay, wait a minute. I believe that churches, all house of prayers that I know that are great have become churches, whether by way of organic, it just happened or necessity. I do believe there's something to that. And I think the next wave of great, of the great prayer and worship movement is going to consist of local churches with a mission on presence, a priority on prayer, yet hosting normal, like family, good family churches. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Healthy. Yeah. I've been pondering this. And I think being where I am has shown me the value of a healthy church. Cause let me tell you something, man, we might not have hour and a half long glory sessions at the church we're at, but dude, we are a healthy community, integrous, built on character, not on the charisma of a leader. It's a high value of character, integrity, those sorts of things. And it's just a healthy church. And I feel like this is where we're going. What do you think? <laughs> yes. That was a lot. I know. Yes. No, hundred percent. I mean, I, it's a trend and, and trends are just trends, but I think it's a Holy Spirit inspired trend that's happening where I, I know a number of people, including myself, who, who, who've been in the house of prayer world, who God's either inviting to plant churches or to join up existing churches. And even in the tension that that brings to come into those places and bring what they have and bring uh, a value to it. And there's an increasing number of, I think, pastors and church leaders who are open and hungry and wanting to learn and wanting to see prayer rooms in their churches. And in some ways, I think there's things happening we don't even know about in terms of the prayer movement because it's happening under the banner of local churches. So you can't go find something, something house of prayer because it's not, you, you can't Google it and find it because it's a church. And they've got a group of people that are starting to gather and they're worshiping and they're praying like never before. And um, God's doing stuff in the in those contexts. And uh, you can't even keep up with it because his house is becoming a house of prayer. Uh, and that's that was Jesus's words from the very beginning. It wasn't, you'd have the house of prayer and you'd have the church. His house, his church is to be a house of prayer, a place of his presence, a place of communion with him. That was his desire from the very beginning. So that's right. I think you're totally on board. I think we we are in the early phases of it. And, um, I think there's, you know, some tension in it and <laughs> there's some, there's some challenge in it and there's some real beauty in it as well. I, I think on this podcast, most of who we've got tuning in are going to be the intercessors, the worshipers, the prophetic people, the house of prayer people. So what would you say to anyone maybe that's resistant who maybe has been hopping around churches or hasn't been a part of a local church, you know, what would you say to to people maybe that there's some resistance to this that that maybe they really do think we're selling out <laughs> and they think that uh you know we're 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 giving in to the religious spirit or whatever it may be you know yeah sure whatever i mean at the, at the at the end of the day like i'm one of you you know if you're one of these whoever however wild and crazy you are like you're you're not more than us i mean we're <laughs> we've done it all you know we've taken 20 people in vans to churches 
on tours and said, let us do 24 hours of worship in your church. This was as the burn 24 seven back in the day, you know, like let us do 24 hours of worship at your church. And we guarantee you we'll start Friday night or in Saturday night. We guarantee your Sunday morning will be one of the most explosive, incredible Sunday mornings you've ever had. And that was our kind of like thing to let us come. No honorarium, no money. Just like we want to bring this revelation. We want to model this thing. And so, yeah, we've done it all. I mean, you know, as far as one of the things I've learned is that I was filled with pride. Mm -hmm. I was filled with pride Mm. that my way was the right way, that the presence of God not only rested on, like I had real revelation and theology on the presence of God, but it had to come in my way. And what I've been smacked upside the head with the last few years, painfully, I've come to recognize that God doesn't rest on my way. He 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 just doesn't. And there are many different things that people are doing in the kingdom. And I think what and listen, I just want to say, I know a few other like long-term house of prayer guys. I'm talking IHOP guys, I'm talking guys that have been around the prayer movement forever that are getting sown, if you will, into these large churches, dead church. And I want to say, a large church doesn't just mean a dead church. There are Amen. living, yeah. thriving, healthy, big churches. But yeah, being sown into these places. And it's like, if we're ever going to take this prayer movement just out of the charismatic stream, we have to be willing to do it in ways that and, and that we might not like. And we may have to be willing to submit to the authority of certain expressions that we don't Dude, there was things in the church that I was like, this goes against core values. Like I was dying. The the prophet that I am inside was like, oh my God, I want to tear this down. I want to set it on fire. Like, what are we doing? But the Lord has humbled my heart. He has crushed us to a point of realizing, of being humble enough to see that, Chris, if you're going to take this expression into the next generation and into like leaven, the 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 bigger, broader body of Christ, you're going to have to have humble messengers. And I think what we have is we do have a lot of fringe house of prayer things. I yeah. think these are the days where we need solid doctrine, humble teachers inside of places that don't just look like charismatic, whatever. And I think we need to have the patience to sow this this idea into the larger church, because as you said, it is the heart of Jesus. It's not some fringe theological, you know, expression that we're latched onto the tab of David because we're worshipers and we want to worship all day. We've got to get people to a place of revelation. How can we, if we're not in their camps, if we've not earned their trust, you see what I'm saying? And it's taken years of doing this. And now I'm watching three years in and there's trust built in a in a place where my own senior pastor is having prophetic dreams about worship and prayer revivals exploding out of our church, which mm. is incredible if it's you awesome. only knew. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's part of a big thing we've got to tell people is like, be in the prayer room, but allow God to sow you if he wills. A lot of us are like, I would never go to a church like that. And it's like, man, let's let God send us where he wants to send us. And yeah. build what he's building. Because if we'll be obedient, I, I think we're going to see the next great second wave 
of worship and prayer. And I, I think even prophetically speaking, right now, all the craziness going on, I do feel in my spirit, we're in a second wave of this, this worship and prayer tab of David movement. Yeah, so good. Just one more question on this topic, and we can we can move on. But I just as you've been engaging with the church you're a part of, and you are a prophetic voice, you are wild revivalist guy. You're hungry, you're passionate, that kind of thing. If there's other people, they go, okay, I feel like I'm going into this church, or I'm already a part of this church, and maybe I'm a worship leader, but you know, I only get. 10 minutes and I want to go for 45 minutes, or I want to see something, you know, the spirit of God move in our church, but it's not there yet. How do people navigate that if they're not a leader, if they're not a pastor, but they're just in these communities, in these churches, and they're hungry for more, they want to see things, but they also don't want to be proud and arrogant and rebellious or anything like that. Any any suggestions? Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content, such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024, with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media. .presencepioneers.org to sign up today. Yeah, two things. I mean, I think first, you have to know that God has called you to a place. If God has called you to a place and you know that and you're sure of that, uh, because here's the truth. You know, I, I hate when this happens when we say, well, God's called us to come to this church and join this ministry. And then the first time they get offended or something happens they don't like, it's, Hey man, uh, we wanted to let you know, God's really leading us in a different direction. It's like, (laughs) it's interesting how God changes his mind when we get offended. I think that we would do well to just know that the Lord is wild, dude. Like he will show you it. He's done things with us that I'm like, I never in a million years thought that you would do this. And so you have to be humble enough to say, Lord, if you've led me here, I'm going to submit. I want to say this secondly. In the last few years, we too have longed for house of prayer. Bro, we will talk about dry. Like we would go to houses of prayer traveling itinerantly, Danielle and I. We'd look at each other, you know, in the prayer set and be like, oh my God, we long for this. We, Lord, mm. let us build you a place. Like it was like we, we so longed for it. And the only outlet we had was just privately. It's just yeah. been private. And, um, 
I know sometimes that we don't have the punctuality in private as we do when we have to go to an actual prayer set. And I get that. But I think the sound of a person's life speaks bigger than just, you know, the the type of model or expression they're in. So I tell people, look, if you're in a place and you're like, I long for us a prayer, but they don't really see it. You have to flow with the Lord. And sometimes it might mean you need to connect outside and go to places that are doing that and serve what they're doing as well as your local church. I think that there, there's really nothing wrong with that. I encourage that. And I think that if you're young and you're hungry for that, you need to be building those things. You need to be involved in houses of prayer and at the same time, not just abandoning perhaps, you know, the place where God has, has, has put you. Yeah. So good. I think a lot of times people put so much expectation on a Sunday morning service and they think that everything has to happen in that moment or it's not important. And it's like, let us sun- Sunday morning service maybe is going to be what it is, but you're going to need something more than that uh, to sustain your walk. Or maybe there's play- there's other events or there's other ministries or some other space or even in your home, like you said, your personal life where you can sort of scratch that itch, so to speak, and uh, find find places to be be maybe more creative or linger for a little bit for extended times of worship and prayer, that kind of thing. So, Yeah, because Sunday morning, bro, you know as well as I do, like there are different types of people out there. Not everybody is necessarily going to get the prayer room style, right? And so I do think that like there's this thing I've seen. I have watched people come to a mega church, evangelical, the whole thing. They love it. And that's their introduction. And I've watched them in our prayer meetings that we do in the week. They come to those and they're like, oh my gosh, this is a whole nother level. And so they're able to experience that. I just think there's something about, we've got to like get back almost to this thing. I know a lot of people are rejecting the Sunday morning thing. It's like, ah, why? It's tradition. I get all that. I think though, for me, I'm like, that's what it is. Let's bring the body in little by little and and do this in the wisdom of God because it is the thing God is doing. Like I believe that. Still today I believe like you said his house is supposed to be a house of prayer and and so he's doing that. Yeah, so good. Awesome. Well, that was fun. I I'd love to take a little bit of time and talk about worship for the last little bit that we have here. I know you've got a new online course called Altars Priesthood in the Presence. And uh, I assume that some of that is probably uh, similar to what your book was about, the priesthood book that you wrote. But I know uh, it's it's aimed at worshipers, worship leaders, musicians, singers. And so I'd love to take take a few minutes and talk about that. You said here, I went and clicked on your, your course. It said the, the goal was to empower, equip, and inspire worshipers to host God's presence in their homes, cities, and nations, which that's pretty much exactly the whole point of this podcast. So if you like the podcast, you would love Chris's course. So we kind of use this language a lot, but to, what does it mean to you when you say to help worshipers host God's presence? What is what does hosting God's presence even mean to you? Yeah, I think in that I'm, I'm trying to use language that almost does make someone inquire. What does that actually mean? Um, because yeah. there it is a lot. I want to say first off, The entire reason, uh, Matt, that I did this course was because of the younger generation. I literally did this course for the 19 
to 25-year-olds that we are discipling, that are in our communities, that we're going and teaching. And I'm seeing this whole fresh like batch of believers, young, zealous believers coming in. It's funny. I was at Circuit Riders uh, School in Huntington Beach uh, teaching last year. And I was I, something hit me. I was teaching the same stuff, bro, that you and I, like, I would say, Matt, you could do the course, but you're not going to hear anything on that course that you haven't already dived into, written about, whatever. But when I was at this school, I realized the same stuff that we almost, it's commonplace now that we talk about in in the tabernacle of David, the presence of God, hosting God's presence. What does that even mean? What does that look like? I realized that same basic 101 teaching was blowing the minds of these 20-year-old kids. They're like, we've never heard of this. You're giving language to everything we want, you know? Yeah. And and I'm like, oh my gosh, sometimes we're fooled. And guys like you and me, like I said, I joked about, we've worked our butts off for 15 years just to get to the bottom. For guys like <laughs> us, you know, we sometimes can fall prey to like, at least I do of like, man, is what I'm saying it's just, everyone already knows that. Everyone already knows what I'm saying. I've written books about it, but we fail to realize that there are swaths of huge streams and people of, and new believers coming that have no clue about this stuff. We need voices like you to come out with training and to constantly be putting it out there because it's just so vital. So I want to say I made the course for, for the young generation really, um, I made it for those who like might be in churches leading worship and have no idea about hosting God's presence. The truth is, is that hosting God's presence to me is different than just doing a good Sunday morning set. You know, hosting God's presence means that there is an emphasis, there is a prioritization of my life and of the expression of my ministry to the Lord where I am hosting his presence. That means when he comes into a place, the manifest presence of God, I want to minister to that. I want to honor his presence. I want to build a habitation. I want to have a culture where worship and prayer is the main engine of of the church. And let's be really honest, that's really not always the case. We have a lot of other agendas. We worship's a part of it. But the presence of God kind of becomes this little button on our services where it's like, well, we got God. It was powerful today, brother. And it's like, yeah, it was. But do you know that that glory that you felt for five minutes on Sunday morning could actually rest on an entire city if we change the focus of what we are called to do as believers? And so for me, I, I think it's the more hosting his presence, right? It means more than just a a good service. It means you come into my region and you sense, oh, something is different here because Yahweh has been enthroned as Lord here. You know, Mm, I know you know. (laughs) I know, so good. I just love to hear you talk about it. So I just, you know, we got a few more minutes. Uh, I'm so glad you said something about younger worship leaders, musicians, singers, worshipers. Because I wanted to ask you about that. You know, you and I are getting a little bit older. We've been around, like you said, for a little while. Looking back on your journey as a as a worship leader, uh, w- are there things you look back and you go, "Man, I'm so glad I did that early on. It set me on the right path and set me up for success." And are there some things you look back on and you go, 
oh man, I wish I hadn't done that because that maybe sidetracked me or delayed me or, you know, like I'll speak to that somebody that's, you know, like you said, 18, 22, 25 years old, what can they do now so that in 10, 15, 20 years, they're moving in the right direction? Yeah. I mean, I think back on my life up to this point, I'm 36, was saved at 19 years old and began leading worship three weeks after I was born again. So I guess that's 17 years of, of leading worship. And honestly, man, like I, I would just say, throw yourself fully into it because I'm glad I did those long hours of worship in my early years. Cause I don't know that I have the tank to do some of those long sets anymore. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be an hour and a half in on these sets now, bro. And I'm like, dang, I'm getting old, man. I don't know if I can, I need to get my. I need to get my endurance belt back up, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was out of meeting the other day with a bunch of young people called the Burning Ones in our city, and they're just all young, fiery, and bro. They will spontaneously worship for you know three to four hours, and I used to be that. So they invited yeah. me out to speak, and I felt like such an old man because I'm sitting there about two hours in. I'm like, they just get started, like. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and then I preached a little bit and worshiped a little bit. It was three and a half hours. And I'm like, dude, I'm too old for this. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I need to, because they were going in, they weren't just soaking. It was like yeah. plowing for three and a half hours. So man, when you're young, go for it. You know, yeah. I mean, just absolutely give every ounce of your energy. And I would say, give yourself to the prayer room. Mm. I, there is something about that. Nothing else replicates. Listen to me. There is something about doing consistent, long hours of worship in, in almost empty rooms, right? Yep. That nothing else replicates. It just does not. My 20s were spent, looking back, not even counting Sunday mornings, not even counting itinerant ministry. Every week, I'm leading worship for at least a two-hour set. I know many could boast more hours, but it's not really about that. I just know for 10 years, for two hours a week, I'm sharpening that thing mm -hmm. and it's developed a sound on my life. And the sound isn't about songs. It's not, oh, yes, cool songs. I can sing another person's songs in my own sound because I've, I've sharpened that in that place. So I would say to the young ones, give yourself fully. And as far as things, you know, that you wish you hadn't have done, it's like, Man, I just think there's so many things that I, I couldn't even say that about because I couldn't have learned without doing them, right? You just right. you just can't learn without doing those things. But sure. yeah, I am encouraging every worship leader, like you need to find or start, and that's the whole heart of altars, find or start a worship and prayer gathering in your church, in your city. And let it be something consistent that that has no agenda but his presence. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That's what we're all about. <laughs> so I'm totally on board, man. I love it. I will make sure we link to your course down in the description, the podcast and the video here so that people can uh, check that out if they're interested. So Chris, this has been great to catch up, man, and uh, love your heart and uh, love what you're pursuing. Uh, if you have any final words, you're welcome uh, to share those, but it's been great to have you on. Yeah. Yes. Fi final words. You know, I I've said enough for those listening, I'm sure, but I just want to commend you, bro, because you are truly one of these 
I believe men that's being raised up as a voice, as a father in the worship mm. movement. I just want to honor you as a worship father. You've been steadfast. Your voice has been clear. You've walked in integrity. And I just want to thank you uh, and your family, man, because what you're carrying is so precious. It's so vital. And I feel like if I get people excited to build, I feel like you are one who gives language and foundation. And I believe your writings are going to be blueprints for generations to come. And I just want to so encourage you as well as a, as a friend say, man, keep going, keep writing, keep putting out information that might even be something that's commonplace to us. Cause I'm telling you what you're putting out and what God is, is releasing through you, the message he's given you to carry and steward, man, it is so vital for the young generation. And so I just, I love you, man. I love your ministry. I, I want to be like you when I grow up. Appreciate you. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. Thanks for being on the podcast, man. Thank you. Thank you, man.